Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, you went and saw us hit today. What were we doing today? A uh, high tea, bro. And, and people, <laughs> people were killing me because I would put five-year-olds, six-year-olds on a high tea. High tea. We're back. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. It is Thursday, April 1st. Thursday, April 1st. Opening day. Opening day for baseball. Just to have a coach. R.I.P. my man, Rolando Casanova. He say baseball, Cuban dude. Instead of saying baseball, he say the baseball, the baseball. Opening day, baseball, 2021. Guys, if you haven't yet, right now, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you're, you're just, at this point, you're missing out. You're cheating yourself. You are cheating yourself you're cheating on yourself with yourself right now subscribe rate it this is the best the best baseball interview i think ever done in a setting like this the stuff we talked about you have the sec i say second greatest lefty to come out of miami no asterisk no cap no asterisk behind his name. Record home runs. Little League record 540. 540 as a sophomore. Who hits 540 as a sophomore. All-American at Miami. First round pick. First round pick of the Reds. From Cuba. Just came here dropping bombs, like literally dropping bombs. The stuff we talk about on this show, the authenticity, the the openness. It's it's just crazy. This dude just retired last year. So this is special because this is his first. This is his first opening day that he doesn't put on a uniform. I think he's played for 11 years, 11 seasons. This is the first time since this dude has been probably like three, four, five that he's not playing baseball this year. So it's important for me to do my part. Now, I said it's going to be the Tony Romo of baseball, a baseball, a baseball, if he sticks with it. He's already doing stuff on MLB Network. He's already doing stuff on, I don't know what other network, but the guy's going to be all over covering the game, giving his aspect, natural talent here. This is natural talent. And anytime I see a dude, he's young, he's a baby still, that has talent, 
has a good heart. I encourage and I promote him. I, I told him, I said, listen, you got something real special here, man. Take advantage. Take advantage of this specialness. Take advantage of the media world. Take advantage of this social media. It's, it's, it's huge. So, without further delay, I give you the greatest baseball all-around interview in history. And we didn't even get into his pro career because this was late on, I think we shot this like on a Saturday night or something, Friday night, and my daughter was waking up and then I had to help because we had the other baby and I'm the husband of the year, so I had to help. But that aside, this is the greatest baseball interview ever done. There isn't anything better than this. And we didn't even get to his big league career. We're going to do part two. I'm going to do it in person. I'm going to grab this dude in person. We're going to do it face-to-face and talk pro stuff, more swing stuff, more launch angle, more why one year he hit more and other years he didn't, why he got that all-star year. What it, would he have done differently? So this, if you're a baseball player, the father of a baseball player, the mother of a baseball player, the neighbor of a baseball player, this is the episode you listen to. This is the episode you download and you keep there for the rest of your life on your phone. When you're on a plane, when you're on a boat, when you're on a bus, when you're walking, when you're running, when you're at the gym. This episode right here is it. Today. On the Coach HP Show, we have none other than Mr. 305. Mr. 305, Yonder Alonso. Let's go. Boom, three, two, one, and we're on. Look, we could do this. I can move you back a little bit. There we go. Yeah, that's nice. That's better. Give you a little space there to breathe. Yonder, as I think of you, bro, since you've always had a sweet beard, but in college, you never had it. Is that because no. in UM they made you be clean shaven? You know, Jim Morris was the, uh, the coach, and... Man, Jim, Jim Morris was strict. Like, he was super strict, and he had so many rules, right? But it was the, it was the beauty of University of Miami, right? And, like, the baseball, I guess, alumni and uh, baseball, like, just rules that they had for years and years and years and years. You know, we're talking, like, back in the 80s and 90s, right, where we, these cats were, like, they were crazy. You know, the stories I used to hear when I was there was, like, it was nothing like us. I mean, we were, like, puppets we were little babies compared to these guys so he created these rules and obviously one of the rules was you were you have to be clean shaven and uh, as much as like that was like probably the easiest rules they had you know which was just get clean shaven like all right no big deal whatever but you know we had some problems because when i would go out in the summer you know i, I like to have my beard and stuff like that and i was just growing a beard for the first time and uh, I tend to, to, to have a, a you know, pretty dis- decent beard and, and my beard game is pretty strong compared to the rest of the guys. And right. uh, I, I like to like just, just rock my beard and I would just like let it roll as much as it could all summer. And then, you know, once fall ball would come around, then, you know, it was, uh, it was off. Yonder, you were one of the first guys to actually, if I'm not mistaken, you would blend in the top here, the beard, right? 
Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> Man, look, I when I was in San Diego, um, I was like this this San Diego, you know, ball player and the whole thing, right? And I was a rookie there, and it was awesome, cool. But I never, I never forgot where I was from, right? And, and I was from Miami, Florida, the three hundred five, and I, I always wanted to do that. You know, DJ Khaled was that type, that Rick Ross, you know, the guys that had the beard and. No, people didn't, didn't. He didn't have a beard, but um, you know, this this beard game was just like about just having a nice beard, man, and, and being from Miami. So I had like my fade, and then I had my beard game, and then I would fade it up, and then I had this 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 barber there in San Diego, and he was like the first guy to say, "Hey, you want to make your beard like darker?" Because that was kind of like the it, the thing there. Bro, don't tell me that, like, to put the marker in or that dye thing. <laughs> I would do the just for man. And I'm 21, 22 years old doing a, a just for man beer. And I remember I would do it, <laughs> and it was nice. Let me yeah. tell you, it was nice, right? And all these guys, all these veteran guys, you know, they had all the whites and, and stuff like that. The yeah. stuff that I have now. And they would be like, yo, how, how did you get your beard? Like, is it does it is that is that natural? And I would just be like, Yeah, man, this is natural. This is as natural as it gets. I'm Cuban. What are you talking about, bro? This is, this is how it is. Drink a lot of Cuban coffee and you'll probably get the same shit. And oh, yeah, people all, you know, all these guys were just like, you know, Chris uh Chris Headley uh, would, would be one of the guys and Chris the North, Chris the Northfield would be one of the guys that Chris the had a nice beard, but his beard was like white, black, orange, like very spotty. And he was uh, the time. How often would you go get it touched up? Oh, man, I'm from Miami, man. It's every eight days. I mean, if you ask my dad, my dad goes once a week, you know. Every Thursday. My dad goes and gets a haircut every Thursday. Nice, dude. And I'm like, it's a little too much. You know, my dad, my dad's 55 years old. He looks great. I mean, all props to him. You know, he looks, he looks amazing, but... Every eight days, he gets a haircut. Yeah, but listen, though, bro. Look at your set of hair, right? Which is phenomenal, bro. The hairline. I mean, that is like, that is, that's, that's <laughs> it, bro. Did you get that from Pop's side or Mom's side? You know, I think both of my parents have really good hair. And my whole family's got good hair. So, you know, my sister's got good hair. Uh, my mom's got good hair. My dad's got good hair. I don't really know. I, I think it's just a blend of both. Um, and I also want to give it up to to the Cuban like culture. You know, I think the island and being on the beach and being on the water and being in that sunshine, being, you know, I'm not I'm not eight months in the snow inside, right? Yeah, I'm out in the sun. It's December and it's January. And I'm out, I'm out here like, you know, just enjoying the sun and like just living it up, you know. Yonder, where what part of Cuba are you from? You know, I'm from Havana. I'm from Havana, Cuba, which is the capital. Uh, obviously, I would like to say it's probably the best baseball team that they, they, they have in Cuba, which some people may, uh, may, may, may say different. Is that Los Amendares? Who, who are they? Who are Los Habaneros? Los Industriales. Los Industriales. Yeah, and my dad played for them. So my no dad, way. Yeah, my dad played for them for 11 years, um, and he was a catcher, um, and then he became a coach for them. Um, but, yeah, you know, I always like to say I grew up in the stadium, man. I grew up there, and I grew up uh, – you know, I, I would like to say as, as a Cuban born, lived there and all that, you know, I had a, a, a really a, as much as a good childhood as I can have. Right. Um, where that was, you know, I had dinner on the table. It wasn't breakfast or lunch, but it was dinner. And, you know, my dad could 
he he made it work, man. He made it work. Wait a minute. So you said you just had what dinner? You would eat one time a day? Well, you know, I, I I would like to say I would have you know my my lunch as well or whatever we can have or or my breakfast. But the main priority there was to have food, and it wasn't to have the nicest car, the nicest shirt, the nicest shorts or shoes. It was about to have food on the table. So I would yeah, I would definitely have. I would have my glass of milk or yogurt or, you know, whatever I could for breakfast and then have a little snack or for lunch. And then, you know, I would have dinner on the table with a, my favorite meal is probably rice and eggs. And most of the time that was a, a very special thing. Would you do it with platanitos also? The rice, eggs, would you do it with platanito also or just rice and eggs? If we can find platanitos, we're, we're millionaires. You're a millionaire, oh. huh? Bro, I was, so I was born in Cabaiwan. Okay. Which is La Villa, which now I don't know what the name is, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you were growing up, but I, 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 my first birthday was in Spain, so I was really young. When you were growing up, bro, did your parents talk to you and say, like, dude, this shit's fucked up. You're going to act a certain way, whatever. Or were you just like, hey, this is what it is, and they didn't even talk about it? You know, that's, I don't think I've ever been asked that question. And I've been asked a lot of questions in my life, but never, never that. And I think you just know, right? You just know, and, and you know because of the struggles, and you and, and if and you know because of reality, you know, you know by just your friends, and you know by, you know, just going going home at night and understanding what's going on, right? It's, you know, as a Cuban kid. People don't understand this, and they really don't. But you grow up fast. I mean, real fast. And and it's a funny story. I can tell this. Uh, rest in peace to my cousin. But he taught me how to play chess, and he was six years old. Wow. And I was in college. No way. He was six years old. He taught me how to play chess. Damn. So you think about how quickly you you grow up there. You mature, yeah, you mature fast. And bro. you have to, you have no choice because you have to go get it every day. Whether that's asking your neighbor for, for an ounce of sugar or, or asking your neighbor for, for a cup of rice. You have to mature and you have to understand that you got to get it. And, it, and it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a humbling experience, but it's also a gratifying experience knowing that, you know, no matter what else, everything else is great in life, right? Whether that's waking up the next day or, or having some bread on your table, you're, you're just blessed and thankful for, for what you have. So, um, you know, I talk about this all the time to kids or, or, or whoever is no matter how, how messed up this world is right now, right. And our country and all this stuff, all this left and right and whatever, black and white, it's all this crazy madness, but you wake up every day and you open your fridge and you may have some water, you may have some cereal, you may have some bread. And if you don't have, you can ask your next door neighbor for some, and they can help you. And, you know, I think for me, like that, that in itself is a blessing because in Cuba, you don't have that. If you ask yeah. your next neighbor for some sugar, they might not have. Yonder, you could do Instacart order and they bring it to your house, bro. <laughs> if you're blessed enough to have Instacart and to afford that, you know, you're about it. It comes but, to you, know what I'm saying? You know, but right now I can knock on my next door neighbor and be like, hey, you got some rice? Yeah. And I'm sure that they will give you some rice. So for me, like being in Cuba was a blessing in, his, in the sky because it teaches me how to grow up and how to welcome the real world, which the real world is like not it. 
but it teaches you how to give that to your 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 younger generation, which is are my kids or or, or the kids that I see that I can like you know kind of express myself to them and and kind of just give them that overall foundation of what life is really about. Yonder, when you were young, so you started obviously probably baseball in Cuba. Yeah. Did you know you were good at a young age? Uh, you know, I think I, I had an idea. I was I was a little better than the average the average teammate. Um, you know, I grew up in the game. My uncle played baseball. Uh, my godfather played baseball. You know, everybody around me played baseball, and and I played baseball on the streets. I played baseball in my in my you know downstairs. I, I lived on the fourth floor in, in Cuba, so I lived. Anytime I had a chance to play baseball, my dad would take me a lot. Once we started coaching, he would take me a lot on the trips. So I would play baseball. Uh, you know, where there's batting practice or whatever going on, I would be out there, and my game got better and developed quickly. Um, but you know, the, uh, the work ethic is what really took on for me. And I was able to really take that into another, another level. And separate what age did you start well. noticing that work ethic? What age? Oh, I, I think from, from day one, I don't, I don't think, I think you're born with work ethic. I, I think at least for me and my standard, uh, Cuba and my dad and, you know, work ethic comes from home and, and mom and dad. Um, and, and obviously your peers and people around you can definitely facilitate and help that process get, you know, rush. But I think work ethic comes not, not from baseball or, or from yourself. I think it comes from home. And I think that's just how my parents raised me and how my parents were like my mom and my dad, they were like, they're about it. You know, you, you got to work, you got to work to put food on the table. You got to work to obviously, uh, you know, when we got to this country, make sure we had a, a good education and that was all through through work. So for me, work ethic was like instabled into my house from day one, like the minute I was born, you know. Yonder, when you got here and you saw the baseball competition, when you were like, oh my God, I'm about to fucking crush it and destroy nah, everybody here. You know, well, I had, a, I had a difficult, people don't realize this, but because we never talk about this stuff, but, you know, being, a, being an eight, nine, 10 year old that doesn't know the language is a barrier. And, and it's crazy because you don't sound like you have an accent to me, bro. Like you have more of an American accent than than my accent. Well, I think I think that has to do with baseball, and I ha that has to do with probably the ability of traveling and, and and being around people that that don't know even they don't know Spanish. And, right. and for right. me, that that was something that I was accustomed to, and in my my vocabulary or my 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 lingo, I would say, sounds great. It sounds great. <laughs> Yeah, it changed. So for me, you know, I think the biggest struggle I had was language barriers where somebody was talking English or they were making fun of you as a young kid. And I would be like, you know, when you come from Cuba, you're green, like you're as green as it gets. Right. So if they just look at you sideways, you're fighting. So my anger is more of an issue than, than my actual like, but as, as quickly, you're, you're a kid, right? You're a kid, man. Yeah, and you start realizing uh, that actually that part of my life really helped me develop my education and develop my, my physical game in itself because, you know, it's cool to talk about, you know, what's a single, what's a double play. That, that's Spanish. That's Spanish and English for me. Home run, like that is all translated into the same language. That's an international language. So for me, I just knew like, hey, if I turn a double play, I know what it is. If I hit a home run, I definitely know what it is. And uh, that, that's what kind of like transpired me into like becoming better and better and better as, as I grew. Hey, okay. bro, let's talk hitting since you mentioned hitting, bro. I have you as top two lefties out of Miami. 
I would put one. If we take out steroids, you're number one. But we got to put Palmeiro's there one ahead, I think. Hey, Palmeiro, then you, bro. In the history of Miami, man. You are known for hitting. So I have you as top two hitters lefty in the history of Miami, bro. You do? Yes. You've been okay. dropping bombs from a very young age, man. From I remember Roly telling me, like, bro, there was like two seasons back-to-back. -back, we must hit like 40 home runs. Just like just crazy amount of shots, bro. Did you try to hit home runs? Did home runs come natural to you? No, man. And by the way, who's number one? Well, no, I say you're one if we if we take out steroids because Palmero. Oh, okay. So we have to like you know he fucked up with the steroid shit. So let's put right, an asterisk yeah. there, you know. But you just and I would put that and the reason why you're so up there is because a he went to uh, Mississippi. So he played in Mississippi. Yeah, I, you. I don't know what his numbers were there, but you went to Miami, bro, right. and that gives it more thing. But then his career is a little more up in oh, the it is thing, man. Whether steroids, there. Or not, I, I, you know, I feel like whether steroids or not, if we're gonna talk about that. Hey, man, it, it was that. It was like that. Those waters, you know, like yeah. those waters were those waters, and, yeah. and that's just where you were at. You were fishing during those waters. Yeah. And for yeah. me, that's just what it was, you know. So for me, that's my take on it. I don't agree with it, but those were the waters we were fishing in yeah. at the time, you know. Um, you gotta, I think to to give you respect, because listen, bro. You could have got into any water you wanted to. Correct. You decide. So I got, yeah. we got to give you props for for doing yeah, yeah, yeah. that. So that's how that's, that's how I roll. I agree, and I and I think I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I I thank you for that as well for saying that. Um, but for me, like getting back to that question was it was never about home runs. It was about how can I be a pure hitter. I mean, I think I think nowadays with these kids, man, like everybody just wants YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And and I think people forget the process, and the process is such a deep intel type of way of, of analyzing hitting because you know it's a boring thing. And, and when you're training hitting, and when you're training how to get better, and when you're training how to get that muscle memory, it's repetition after repetition. But it becomes boring. But you have to fall in love with that boringness, and you have to fall in love with the the actual programming of your mind to how to become an elite hitter and you have to be a hitter before you become a home run hitter and i think every home run hitter talks about that and 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 they'll tell you like you know the, the minute they they go down is when they're chasing something that they're not and this game is is every year and every day and every month is is changing and you have to be able to make adjustments and whoever is the quickest to make adjustments it's the one that's basically going to survive at the end of the year. And, and you're going to have 500, 600 at-bats. If you don't make adjustments, you're going to hit 200. And, and that's very, very simple. And the reason you got you to become that, that pure hitter that they talk about is by just becoming that, that everyday adjustment maker. I agree. Uh, dude, I agree. You went to Coral Gables. I hit uh, one or once or twice. I think you broke on me. Did I break up again? Am I there? Yeah, you're here now. All right. It's all good. All right. If you see me free, just let me know. We'll, we'll let it. I'm going to edit that. Don't worry. Okay. You hit in, You played at Coral Gables. I never hit really well when we played against Coral Gables. I couldn't understand, like, the backdrop with the cars on Sledune. Just uh, fucked me up a little bit, bro. Yeah, but Merrick Park Mall? We, I don't know. I don't know. I, Merrick Park wasn't there when I was there. It was just oh, like. Oh, man. That changed the whole outcome of everything. It was like La Monte or something back then. There was no yeah, Merrick Park. Oh, you couldn't see ball. That's right, because the building is like beige, so it's like light there. Beige. Dude, 
when you got to Gables, that you found out that you were like, what, all city as a freshman, no? Yeah, I was all, I was like second team all day as a freshman. Damn, bro. Second team all day as a freshman. And I was, I was super proud of myself too, man. I was like, I was like, all right, you know, second team, I'm cool. And then I was like, you know, then, then, then like that summer, you know, that summer, uh, Rolando, who, who Rolando Hernandez, he, he is the coach and the hitting coach for Columbus High, who had been with me, you know, since I was nine years old, right? So he had seen like my game from day one. And he's like, you know what you need? You, man, you need, you need like a summer of strength. And I'm going to get you a trainer, you know, and uh, I had no money for that. So Rolando took it upon himself to be like, you know, you're going you're gonna to train. You're going to get bigger. You're going to get stronger. You, you're going to, you know, you're going to get up. You're going to get after it. So that's like my first time ever being like, okay, this is like, this legit. is the real deal. Like this that's is legit. legit. This, I'm going for this now. Right. I knew I had the talent, but I'm really going for it. This is about investing in your body, investing in your game and, you know, the whole night. So we, we can talk about that. And, Dude, we're gonna talk about whatever you want, bro. This is yeah, you. man. That summer, man, that summer was re- it was real. All right, that summer was real, and I had so where'd no. Where'd you train? Where'd you train? I trained at at a school, uh, Archbishop Carroll. Okay, and I would also train at Miami High. So my parents, man, my mom, I mean, she's a soldier of them all. She will wake up at six a.m. And Rolando will be like, hey, he needs to just have an orange and a banana for breakfast. That's it. So, you know, my mom would just give me these, like, carton box, tropicana juice, you know, whatever she could afford, and a banana. Boom. And I hated orange juice and banana. Like, that mix for me was just It's too much sugar. It's too much sugar. Yeah, I was like, where's my my Cuban toast and my cafe con leche? Cafe con leche, yeah, bro. Why do I need to be eating this stuff? Hey, hold on a second. Since you mentioned cafe con leche, let's let me ask you a question. When you make your cafe con leche, are you more of a sugar guy or more coffee guy or 50-50? How do you blend that? It's very, very simple for me, man. And when I say as simple as it gets, there is no sugar and and I'm as regular as coffee as it gets. You know why? Because for me, it's about the leche con esada, bro. The leche, the leche evaporada. The leche evaporada. You know, evaporated milk for me is the condensed milk, I would probably say. Yeah. It's got, yeah. it's got everything. It's got the sugar. It's got everything. It's yeah. got the calories. It's got the fat. I mean, it's got it all. It's almost like caramel, right? It's like caramel milk or something. Yeah. So you just drink that and it's a bomb. But but pretty much, uh, you know, uh, my, my, my milk is, is the it. Yonder, and it's interesting because here it is, what it is not to know, bro. Here's you about to train to get in shape, and you were loading you up with sugar to go train and get in shape. It's just crazy, you know? It was nuts. But, you know, that was probably the only meal I was going to have all day. Right, right, right. That's true. So I would go, and I would go train. I would go run first. I ran first. Then I would hit the gym, and this is, like, the first time I'm hitting, like, my squats and my bench and my, you know, and I'm like, I hate weights. Like, I'm not built for this. But were you solo or was there a group of you guys? I was by myself. With who? Who was trained? Like, some dude? It was, a, it was like, it was the, uh, it was a trainer, the school trainer, the school, like, medicine yeah. trainer. And it was Rolando. And he would be like, all right, four laps are on the soccer field. And it's like, it's nine in the morning. 
And I would be like, all right, whatever. And I would just be running, you know. And then I would get done with that. And then like, all right, the, the weight rooms. And then we'll go into the weights and then we'll hit the weights and he would teach me the whole thing. So I learned a lot about that. But as, you know, I, as time went on, um, I saw myself, you know, now, now, now I'm hitting the ball over the fence, center field, like in a high school field, which for me, like that was the first time consistently I was hitting those balls 400 feet, you know, 415 feet. And I was like, oh, I was like, all right, all right. Okay. Like something's going on here. Um, and then I was getting my weight up, you know, I was 140 pounds, 145 pounds, 150 pounds. Then, then I'm going up now weight and which is, and I was starting to look, look at myself and I was like, all right, I'm, get, I'm getting a little bit more fit. And for me back then was like, you know, when you were in high school, you were about your forearms. You want to see how, how, how strong your forearms can be. You know, you see all these football guys and they're all so jacked and, and you're a freshman. So you wanted to, you wanted to look good and have the want to fit in. Yeah. You wanted to fit that shirt, you know, your uniform. So I'm, I'm over here doing my little balls and my, my stuff, you know, trying to you just get that rope, that bullshit rope with the rope. I would, I would, I would, I would, <laughs> I would go to class with my little clingy, my little clinch, and I was all about it, man. I was all about it, and and I, I got stronger and stronger. Oh, for so I, I would, I would go, I would go, and just you know, I was about it, man. I was about it, but I got stronger and stronger, man. And that was like that was the thing for me. I was like freshman year, I got, I got after it. That that summer, freshman year, sophomore year, and then sophomore year came around, and, and I really got after it. My fall ball, fall ball, we were playing with wood. In Southwest, Southwest High, there was a big tournament in the fall. And it was like six or seven teams from high school, and they would play every night, uh, you know, during the fall. And, and it was pretty cool because you had all these seniors that were that could go in the draft. So there was a lot of scouts there. And I saw myself kind of getting to that level, you know, where I wanted to be at. Um, and then and it's I, fun Southwest has that short field for right for lefties that we could. Yeah, right. so I dominated that. You know, I dominated that. Nice, and, bro. And I was at Gables High. So I remember um, I was at Gables High and, and you know, no, people knew about me. But they didn't know I was about to go hit 540 as a sophomore. Damn. You know, I ended up hitting 540 as a sophomore. Oh and, my gosh. and I just dominated. How many know, homers? You know, I, I want to say like six or seven homers. You know, you only which, play 20 games. Which is huge, man. And I tell people, I don't know if you agree, I tell kids, I go, bro, why are you going to risk 200 points in your average to hit two home runs? No, I'd rather make hit, sense. You know, I'd rather hit four homers and hit 500. Exactly, bro. Exactly. Wow. Was, yeah. And, and for me, like, that was the thing, man. And then my, my biggest goal was to go pro. Like, I wanted to go pro. You know, I wasn't thinking about college. I wanted to go pro, which people don't realize that because I needed to get my family out of where we were at. Right, 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 right. right. That was a big move. That was a, that was a hard move. What – were you a draft and follow or did you get drafted out of high school? I got drafted out of high school. I was, a, I was a 17th rounder. 17th? What team? Yeah, by the Minnesota Twins. Who talked you out of that? My parents. They're like, oh, it's loco, muchacho. I get to the arcade. Is that what they said? No, man. It was like a this was a deal. Like, I wanted to sign. I even wanted to sign. Like, out of people like don't know this, but like they were giving me like 200 grand, 150 grand, or something like that. And I'm like, we're good. I'll, I'll just take this 150 grand. I'll give it to you guys. Don't worry about me. I'll start in rookie ball somewhere. Who knows where in the Dominican Republic? Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. figure it out. 
you know, like that's just me. I, I Cubans, got this. Like Latin, like people from Miami just forget Cubans. Like just people from Miami, we just figure it out. Yeah, bro. Yeah, we, we just, just that's just how we do it. So for me, it was like, yo, I'm just gonna figure this out. I'm gonna figure I'll give all the money to mom and dad. We're good. And my parents were like, what? Are you crazy? You know, my parents were big in college, though. They were big in, in education. And that's what people yeah. don't realize. Well, because the Cubans are. Majority of, of yeah. that generation Cubans. Now this generation Cubans different. You know, my parents, they graduated from college. Yeah. And yeah. My parents didn't play that. They didn't play around. What, uh, obviously... Bro, you must have been recruited by everybody. Yeah. What? Give me some cool schools that that uh, that you were thinking about that recruited you. <laughs> hey, you want to hear? I remember I got a I got a <laughs> I got a letter from Stanford. you <laughs> I would have been strong, bro. Yeah, but at the time I didn't know what Stanford was. No, nobody knew what Stanford was, bro. <laughs> yeah, and I, all I could think about Stanford was MySpace. You know, at the time <laughs> MySpace was the but the MySpace owner was from Stanford. And I was thinking, I ain't going to that geek school. <laughs> oh, my son gets a letter from Stanford. He's going to Stanford. <laughs> Tom from MySpace fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, he's going to Stanford. And that was like the first thing, you know, this is, this is like the mentality, right, of this Cuban yeah, who just doesn't know anything about, obviously, education or, you know, just blinded yeah. to, to the community and, like, the world. Yonder, for our parents and people from here, especially at that time, Tallahassee is like going to Canada, bro. Yeah. So I, I'm telling you, dude, I'm telling you. Who recruited you my in Miami? Goal, my goal was Miami because I had, honestly, like, obviously it was it was the great school, you know? Baseball was the standout of standouts. They were number one in the country forever. But the reason I wanted to go to Miami, it wasn't because of that. It was because it was the only way that my parents could come and see me. Wow, that's good. That's good. That's what people don't realize. You remember when I have, I think, you're what, 33? Yeah. So you're 33. I'm 42. If we do the math, I think that's nine. When's your birthday? April 8th. April 8th. Okay. I'm January. I just had so nine years. Bro, I remember when Miami was on Sunshine Network for the first I, time. I remember that too. And they rocked. And there was a fence in the back. It wasn't yep. like how it is now. It wasn't it how it is now. No, no. And they would no, rock. No. They would rock the Nike uniforms. And when I saw I that. Nike uniforms. Yeah, you guys were. I was like, oh, my God, bro. That to me was like, oh, my God, dude. When yeah, I saw yeah. that, I was like, oh, man. It was crazy, dude. And then when the Pat Burrell years, bro, that shit just the went orange, out. Yeah, with the orange bat. Just. Oh, bro, and, then, and then they had, they had the minus. Five, the TPX minus five, yeah, the, which was illegal, by the way. Let me tell you about that. Those bats are like, bro. They, they were hitting. Why they they allowed those things? They they would hit them into the. They would play pepper and hit them into the roof, oh, in right field, opposite field. They were hitting in the middle of the soccer field, and yeah. I just, I remember seeing that, and I would have died. I would have died to have worn the hurricane colors. To have a gold chain on in my dream, if I would have had a Teja, a gold chain, <laughs> and play for UM and rock those Nike high tops with the fucking orange stripe that I would I would color my shooter, bro. It's like heaven, bro. Heaven, heaven, heaven. You know, it's funny you say that. I colored my shoes in high school just because of UM. 
See, bro, people don't know that, bro. You marker it. It's not like now that you get to customize it and. And after every game, it was already worn out. <laughs> already worn out. You're done. Go back and brush them off, and then we'll color them things again. Dude, when you got recruited by Miami to play Miami, bro, how happy were you, bro? Man, I'll never forget the the letter, the first letter I received from Miami, and it was a practice on a Tuesday. And Laz Gutierrez, who was my head coach, he went to UM as well. He was a lefty pitcher. Uh, he's now the uh, the Nova uh, head coach, and he was my high school coach. And Laz Gutierrez puts in my locker at Gables High a letter. And as I look at that letter, it says Hurricanes. And it says stamped Hurricanes on it. And I didn't open it. Like, I get goosebumps just talking about this right now. But I didn't open the letter. See, we had practice. And he just kind of looked at me and smirked. And I knew what it was, but I didn't open it. I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I open this with my parents and my sister. So, uh, you know, I, I, practice for me was a blur, right? All I'm thinking about is, what is that? you know, that letter say, and, uh, I get home, you know, and I, and, and I tell my parents, I had my Nokia phone and I, and I texted my, my note from my Nokia phone. All I did was play snakes on them things because <laughs> it was, I couldn't pass my limits, my, my minutes or the ass whooping was coming. So <laughs> was, was it free nights? You to have free nights and weekends, bro. I had after nine o'clock after, after I think I was after eight, I had free texts and free calls. So after eight, I would, you know, do my thing. <laughs> But for me, was I couldn't I couldn't pass the limits, so I played a lot of snakes. So for me, it was cool, man. I just I text her and I, go, and I text my parents and say, "Hey, I have a letter from UN." And you know that that text took me like thirty minutes, you know, because you have to press like seven seven seven, like you have to double press to get them letters. So it's not like how it is now, where you just type in whatever the hell you want. But uh, man, and they were so excited for me when we opened the letter. It said, you know, we're we, we know what you what you're doing and we're excited to put you on our recruiting list and start recruiting you and we wish and we hope that you become uh, a king for life and for me like I was sold you know like for me it was like yo where do I sign the paper and it, I was a sophomore I was so young so I knew like it was there you know I knew like all I had to do was just continue to have a good year and and, and continue to ball out and continue to like put my name on the map and I ended up doing that, and I, and, I, and I committed as a junior, as a junior, which was very, very young to commit uh, during those times. Most people will commit as, as a senior, you know, in the fall or, or during season as a senior. I committed as a junior, like summer of my sophomore year to a junior year is when I committed. John, let me ask you a question. I just thought about this right now. You throw righty, but hit lefty. Yeah. That combo, who taught you that, or is that just how I you got. picked it? My dad. Did that on purpose. Yeah, you know, my dad, I think I think he said one day I grabbed the bat and I was lefty. And one day I grabbed the ball and I was righty. And he just made sure he stuck with that. There's benefits to that because having your bottom hand, your dominant hand to hit, to hit there's some benefits. That if you know how to control it, because I know some people, they can't control it. And they tend to being under a lot because this one takes it over. But if you can control it. It's a good combination, bro. Yeah, it's a good combination, man. And you know, I think I think for this game, this game was built for lefties. Right. This football game was built for lefties. And you know, people like they they we can argue all you want about it, but there's no greater feeling than watching Barry Monshead and Ken Griffey Jr. play the center field. Yeah. yeah, yeah let's yeah. just talk about it. Yeah. You know, there's no greater feeling than watching Ted Williams and P. Rose hit. 
And there's no greater feeling than Tony Gwynn hitting hitting the five hole. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I keep going with lefties. We can keep going. Or Chipper yeah. Jones. Yeah. You, you got Bryce Harper. You get uh, right. So many. And, and it is what it is. But you know, watching a lefty hit a baseball or watching a lefty play defense, it's just a like a a beautiful thing, you know. Yonder, I I admire you so much because you've always been proud of who you are and where you came from, bro. Oh yeah. And how you represented Miami and stuff like that. I am I I asked myself why I was the reverse. And we mentioned Gary V today and we talked about him a little bit. Yeah. And he started saying there's a reason why a couple of years ago when the when the Golden State Warriors were crushing it, all of a sudden he's like in New York, he sees people with Steph Curry jerseys on. Right. And he's like, these are these are people that are bandwagon fans or like the Cubans that root for the Cowboys. The Yankee stuff's a little different for us because, you yeah. know, like the Yankees represented something for the Cubans, like America, stuff like that. So I start to think to myself, okay, I'm, an, I, I'm anti-Miami and all my teams. And I started to ask myself why. And up till a year ago, I realized why, Yonder. Hmm. Because my dad was beating the shit out of me. On a regular basis, I associated Miami with losing. So that's why I was a Michael Jordan fan in the 90s. That's why I was, when the Dolphins of, were around, I would go for, how crazy is this, for the Buffalo Bills? I had like a Thurman Thomas thing in, in, in my room. I would, you were a Bills fan? Because, because I was... I just lost. At least you're not a Jets fan. If you weren't a Jets fan, we're no, good. No, I, I should. But it was just, it was just, I was just losing. And then I, I remember going to a UM football game and wearing. Look how stupid is this, bro? Seminole hat. Because uh, it's horrible. But I figured out it was that's that was the reason why. Right. As an adult, it was like because I was getting my ass kicked so much. I'm like, bro, Miami fucking sucks, bro. I don't right. have nothing to do with Miami, bro. Yeah, it was a bad taste. It was a bad taste. Super bad. And when I left to Los Angeles. I, I it just changed my whole thing, but I admire how it, you. How did it change when you when you went to LA? Because a I noticed that there's nothing like being Cuban away from Miami. Ah, see that's what happened to me in San Diego, and I think that's what happens to most Miamians and most Cubans. And yeah. you don't have to be a Cuban. I think I think I think you know every Colombian, Dominican, or whatever. I mean, I know a lot of Dominicans. Shit, my brother-in-law, he's Dominican and. He reps Miami harder than anybody else yeah. in this game. As a matter of fact, like he has his shoes made out of – he makes sure that he's got some Miami swag into him. His insoles right. are palm trees. His insoles are downtown Miami. And, like, he just swags that Miami stuff on him. And it's just curious. I'm curious to, like, know, like, what really changed you. Because, you know, I, I think you went to L.A. and you changed. And for me, that's the hit for me, right, when you leave Miami, is I think – I think people really don't realize like how, how how great of a city it is, despite all the the stuff that's happening in your world. But when you leave, and you just admire like what you really have, right? I see in your back you have the beaches, right? And, and you have a picture of, of of beach, and you know let's just talk about that for a second. I mean, it's it's there's people are getting eighteen inches of snow right now, and yeah, we have we have the beauty. Yanta, you know how much people spend. For what we have in our backyard, bro. Yeah. How much money people spend. But I almost looked at it like, like I was meant. See, 
you got lucky because of baseball. Baseball forced right. you to leave Miami. You had to leave. I almost felt that God, the universe, whatever, was programming me to be like, dude, for you to reach whoever you're going to reach, you got to get out of here. Right. You're not Because if not, you're going to be in your dad's shadow the whole time. And that was just a complete disaster. And it's funny. Tomorrow I'm going to meet with the, with the FIU coach. So I'm going to talk to the team. And I went to FIU for uh, – so w the funny thing with me is I played at Braddock, complete disaster, right? You crushed it in – this is so funny. You crushed it in your scout days and all your stuff. Bro, I remember they used to have – I don't know if they had it in your time – the North and South All-Star Game? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. That was like a big, that was a big deal. So Pepe Ortega, uh, my boy, remember Pepe Ortega put me. Pepe Ortega with a cigar? With a cigar, yeah. bro. A mile away. Yeah, bro. So he put me, look, you're going to love this lineup. <laughs> he put me uh, fourth batter, okay, where I'm representing the South. My first batter is a guy named J.R. Mounts, who okay. went to, uh, signed with the White Sox out of high school. Beast okay. went to Key West. Okay. Second batter is uh, Manny Crespo. You know Manny, obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay. Third batter is a guy who won in the first round named Jose Nicolas. Okay. Okay. I'm fifth batter. I'm fourth batter. Okay. Like, we're talking about stack, bro, stack. But my problem was that since I had identity issues, you know where I would try to showcase that? When I would hit. So, I am... A beast contact hitter all day long, bro. But what happened is I would see you, and I'd be like, I want to hit like yonder. So I'd imitate your style. I do whatever, and I have, I don't have your skill set. I don't have your eye hand coordination. And all I did was, bro, I grabbed this wooden bat. Look at this now. Everybody's hitting with metal, but I'm a genius. I go, look at this. I'm gonna think ahead, and I use the wood bat. Totally heavy, totally wrong. I get jammed. A disaster, bro. A disaster. <laughs> <laughs> A pandemic within a pandemic. Boy, a disaster, bro. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm like, fuck this baseball shit, bro. I am done <laughs> with this, bro. You know, and, you know, as you know, you bro, know, as, did you know right there and then that all right, this shit ain't for me? No, because when did I, you find out that you were like, all right, this ain't for me? In high school, bro, I was like, I can't because the problem is, I don't know how your dad did it, but my dad didn't have any balance, bro. It's like I'm losing on every level because if we come right now, we compare. And, I, and some people will talk to me about this. Okay, did you have a car in high school? Did you yeah, have a car? I, mean, I had a car in college, not in high school. My mom would, my mom would drive me everywhere. Your mom would drive you around. Perfect. Yeah, Neither so it was I. college where I really like had my okay. car. Okay, neither did I. Did you have a TV in your room? No. Neither did I. So we're, we're even there, right? Okay. No. Would your parents let you go out to parties and do stuff like that? Yeah. With moderation probably, right? Yeah, baseball, baseball in my mind. My dad forced the baseball so much that it's like, bro, really? and then it wasn't like, he's like, oye, ponte la gorra bien. You got it. Like, it was so, like, military style that he just yeah. probably destroyed me. And it, and my, it just, it, it was My dad, I was on a team that it was like that. And everybody would wear the hats backwards or everybody would wear the hats, like, you know, like, up, wide Because it was yeah. like, right? And one day I, I did that. And... That didn't go so well. Yeah. It was my dad. And my dad was a, 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 you know, he, I would like to say my dad was very, huh, few words. When it came to baseball, few words. Uh, my dad kind of like, let me figure it out. And I when think. When you strike out, what would he do? 
he just let me figure it out. That's he will he will grab me he will grab me later in the car. You know he will let me figure it out on my own because because I have you have to you know I think I think parents like get confused, man. Dude, let's talk about that car ride for a second, because that's where kids get destroyed the most. Talk to me about the car ride with your dad. How was he? The car ride after a game or before a game? When you did bad. No, no, no. When you did bad in a game, he didn't do good. Uh, my dad was <laughs> my dad was good. I think my dad was like, he would just go over the scenarios. I mean, my dad knew baseball. It was more my mother that was like kind of the pain in the ass. See, Yonder, but the, I'm convinced that your dad's attitude. And my mom just didn't know. It was my dad. That's the problem because muchacho, la, 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 muchacho, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, my, it wasn't like it wasn't about hitting the baseball or not. It was it was more advanced than that. You know, my dad played, so no, I'm talking about your mom. I'm talking about your mom. I'm talking about your mom. My your mom, mom would be like, "Tú tienes hambre, tú tienes hambre, ¿Eh hambre con la mierda esa que hiciste en el play." You know, like stuff like that. Like, how are you hungry? Look at all that crap that you did. You know, yeah, you, 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 you shouldn't, shouldn't be hungry. You should go to sleep, shower, and go to sleep. You shouldn't be hungry, dude. I'm but convinced. my dad was a little bit different. My dad was like, "What were you thinking here? And what were you thinking there? And you know, you got to hear your cut, or you know, you got to do this." He wasn't so concerned about the physical aspects of it. He was more concerned about the mental stuff or what I was thinking about because it's all about mental, right? It's all about. And my dad, what I didn't realize is that during those times, we're talking about 10, 11, 12 years old, right? He was he was putting in my head how to think, how to think, and and when shit's like loose, like a loose cannon, you're under control, and you, and, and that goes a long way because life in itself and, yeah, and, and I think in front of sixty thousand people, but my heartbeat, I've I look, I've worn, listen to this, this is crazy, and I've worn a, a heart monitor thing during a game, and I'll never forget this. And we're in Oakland, and I wore a heart monitor, and I ended up winning the game with a home run, okay? And people, like, don't even know about this stuff. But my heart weight at the moment was 130. And 130 is like you're out for a jog. And this is the 10th inning, men on first and second with two outs, and you're the home team. And you're 12, 12 – it was the 12th inning – and you're out of guys on the pen, so you have no more guys. We're going to start bringing in position players because we're out of guys. Their team knows that, and we know that. And here I am coming up, and I'm. there's only one thing on my head. We're going home. And yet my heart rate is at 130. Anybody else's heart rate is 180, 160, 170, right? And we don't know what to do, but I'm, I'm not panicking. I'm, I'm, com I'm convinced that all I need to do – is worry about what's now, like what's going on now, because my work has been done. But my dad put that on me when I was 10, 11 years old. See, he didn't, he didn't like, he wasn't punishing me at 10, 11 years old. He was preparing me for life and he was preparing me for whatever can come coming in and the patience to understand the actual like work at hand. And that's the way I live. That's the way I am. And yeah, we can get mad and whatever, all this stuff, but you have to be under control and you have to understand what's going on to be able to be who you are as a person. And I think that's more of like what my dad did for me. He was preparing me for life, whether that was, you know, when I had a good game, everybody knew I had a good game. He wasn't talking to me about a, a good game. He was talking to me about the error I probably made. Right. And I was like, damn, like, why, why, are you not, why are you talking to me about the error I made? Like, I just went three for four. We got to talk about the error. Because sometimes when things are going good, 
there's some loose cannons going on and we got to take care of those loose cannons. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's just life. Like that's just life. I respect that so much, man. And I'm the reverse. That's my dad, that's my dad in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, I, I respect that so much. And that's why I see that in you, man. See, I got the reverse of that, bro. I got the shit beat out of me. I had nowhere to hide. And yeah. it's so funny. My last game. So I, I then I walked on, had no offers as a, as a senior Walked on to Miami Dade when three teams weren't turned into one with Steve Hurts. Same move, bro. Completely crushed it, made the team. I'm going the other way. I'm hitting like a beast. But in the season, I sabotage it again and I'm trying to hit home runs and I become a disaster. Why did you think you did that? Because of my ego, bro. Because I wanted to impress everybody. Because I was losing so badly in my life. I was in such misery of being an absolute nobody. And when you're getting beat, like close fists beat and it's happening to you and it's happening to your mother and it's happening to your sister. You don't understand. You're not aggressive. I I had this thing to peacock so badly and I wanted to be guys that, that like Deion Sanders. And I wanted to be like, like I wanted to be those kind of guys because my, because I was losing, I felt right. My thing, you know, and, and I had no cool clothes. I had no swag. I have no nothing. It's just, Right, right, right. So I had this weird thing inside me that I, I wanted to pop and I wanted to pop. And then I use what I would use is I use a lot of my ability to get chicks almost as like a peacocking thing. You're like, oh, look at me. Look at all the chicks I get, whatever, whatever. But it's empty. And, and, and all that was empty. And it's the showing off thing, bad, you know. I play. So I stopped playing there. I take two, two years completely off. We're one day on the beach in the water. And my dad goes, and I was like, you know what? I just I just go, you know what? He's right. I'm going to go play baseball. I have two years. So I went and talked to Morris. And I knew Morris because my sister worked at a golf shop, Deering Bay, where he used to golf. Deering Bay, yeah. Yeah. So I go, you know what? I went and talked to Morris. Bro, he loved me. And he played at North Carolina also. So we had that little thing. He goes, he wants oh. yep. He played there. And I played at Pfeiffer for a year, bro. And no way. Yeah. You've heard of Pfeiffer? Yeah. Bro, I played at Pfeiffer University. So talk about the Miami experience. So I went to Pfeiffer. I got to show you my ID. Tan like a monster. Wearing these like, they, they thought it was crazy. I had hair like you back then, bro. <laughs> hair. But he had these like, I'll never these like light yellow Calvin Klein. Like Oscar briefs, bro. With this Figaro. Link chain with a with a cross like this. You couldn't be any more Miami Cuban, bro. Yeah, yeah. In hell, I got there and I was like, "What the fuck is this, bro?" Yeah. And it was just they, they used to call me La Vida Loca because Ricky Martin started to hit back then. <laughs> Yonder, I did all that, dude. Same operation. I start to hit, try to home runs. I the wow. whole, the whole program goes to shit. I come to Miami. Ironically, they hire the coach. They hired who was 23 at the time, 20 years old, who I had him on my show, is now the manager of Duke baseball. Okay. And who's my boy? And he he calls me and says, No, man, you got to come back. And I start playing and I do amazing. But I had started, I started hooking up with Miss Columbia down here in Miami in the beach. And I started fucking using because there was no cell phone back then. So I, I, I got the player baseball line, the coach's line, which is illegal, to call Miami to call his chick. So I'm going through all that. 
bro. And then I, I think my eligibility was, was going to be questioned. So I'm like, fuck this. Wilhelmina had just got me, scouted me. I go, I'm going to go to Miami and be a model. And I left the house. Like it was a big deal. So I didn't even come back to my dad's house. I came to the chick. I lived with the chick for a little bit. Did all that. Got under two years off. Do the FIU thing. He says no. I go see Casanova, rest in peace at FIU. And I go and I try out and I make the fucking team, bro. As a as a fifth year senior, a team that was stacked that went to regionals, super regionals that they lost against Mark Pryor. Seniors everywhere, and I made the team. And I was like, I took the approach, which I do now in life is you ever seen Coming to America? Of course. When he's the Prince of Zamunda, that he's so happy sweeping at McDowell's. That was me at the FIU baseball field, brother. I was That's awesome. Zero ego. I'm hitting the. I hit like seven home runs in the fall. I make the team perfect. You're feeling nice. I'm feeling nice. And you know what my goal was? I go, if I can just hit at Mark Light Stadium, I'm set, bro. Just take You're BP. Set. If I can fucking take BP and try to hit that fucking parking stay over there, I'm going to be set. Dude, We it doesn't count, but we played you guys in the fucking Homestead bullshit tournament. We used to have a Homestead tournament. We played yeah. Miami. I got a pinch hit thing. Which was my last at bat. I I got edge of the back because I was trying to destroy the ball. Grounded out to the second baseman. And when I got back, we started traveling. And I, I didn't play, I didn't play. And bro, believe it or not, man, one day our first baseman got injured, who was the guy who set the home run record in college, Brad Eldred. Played in the big leagues for a little bit. Huge, big guy, six, five variety of monster. He put somebody else to that play first base. I played first base my whole life. He didn't put me. My dad, before the game, comes up to me and goes, Oh, hoy tú le caes a piñazo a price, o yo voy a brincar la seca y le voy a caer a piñazo. And yonder, to translate in English, he goes, Either you go fuck up the coach, or I'm going to jump the fence and fuck him up in the middle of the game. I go, I'm done. I grabbed all my stuff, bro, and I just left. That's it. And I never looked back, and I, and I've, and I ran away as far as I could from baseball, bro. Was the monkey off your back when you were done? Yeah, bro, because I yeah. I didn't even I didn't even watch baseball. I, everything that happened to me bad was because of baseball. Yeah. And how come you like love the game so much right now? I love people, bro. And what happened people. is God and just, that and that brings you into the game. No, because like it's like the scene in, in The Godfather 3 where Al Pacino's like, oh, they pull me out, but they bring me back in. I was they done. always bring you back in. Bro, I was done. Look, I go to Los Angeles to act. What saves me? This is how crazy life is, bro. There's a, there's a, yonder, by the way, this is what this is about, bro. Yeah, bro. This is nice. How, how awesome is this, dude? This is like, oh, we on. but this is like us. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, it's sweet. No, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy like not even talking about just myself. Like, you see how I'm asking you questions because yeah, I really want to know and, and it's genuine, you know, and it's, it's very, uh, real. It's real. It really That's is real. Move. That's the move, bro. For me, I have like nothing to to hide or like nothing to talk about. Like I can talk about, bro. We can talk about. I don't know. What are your rules? Right? No rules. Like, rules. Like, do you talk about? Do you no talk rules. about? Politics? Do you talk about? No rules. Do you talk about sports? Talk about everything. About- so, so like, I'll give you an example. Let's talk about. Let's talk about race, for example. So, a lot of people asked me. No, we can talk about it. Like, yeah. because like a I lot of people use race because I'm from Miami. Okay, so let's talk about it. So, first of all, we don't count. Because we get to hide in the Spanish-Cuban thing in the world. I don't, we're we're talking, the race we're, thing. 
race. Okay. Okay. So so now, a lot of people asked me when when the major leaguers started to protest. Right. Parents started to reach out to me. Oh, right. I'm, like, I'm like the parent guy, you know. So like, cause I I I call it how it is. So I tell parents, listen, you're not gonna have another Yonder Alonso here, man. You're gonna have whoever your kid is. Stop trying to imitate that guy. That guy has your kids. Exactly. Just just let's appreciate the strengths yeah. your kids have. One hundred percent. Right. So that that's me, twenty four seven. That's me, twenty four seven. So when the thing happened, the Marlins were playing the Mets. They did the protest on the field. Everybody started to ask me, "What do you think? What do you think?" Oh, they're they're kids. They shouldn't be seeing that. Whatever. I go. I'm going to tell you what I think about everything. Number one, number one, people shouldn't be committing crimes. That's number one. That's number one. I don't. Yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah. That's you want to stay out of trouble. I agree with that. Okay. Number two, my dad made a million mistakes on the baseball field, but he prepared me for life. My only thing my dad failed to prepare me was to deal with him, but my dad would always tell me, "Hey, Tico, cuando te pare la policía, have pon las dos manos en el timón." Yes, sir. No, sir. Don't worry about it. That's it. That's it, dude. That's These it. people that want to try the cops, that now want to record the cops, okay? That's putting yourself in a situation. I've never had a trouble with the cops one time, okay? Many. Here's another thing that I tell people. Now, I'm well aware of the way I look. I fit the classic profile, unless you know me, of a criminal. I'm bald, beard, and tattoos. Right? So if you don't know me, like this guy's fucking delicate. So if I get stopped, right? <laughs> no, what, what I do is I extra am Mr. Positive to diffuse that, right? So it could be cool to look like Little Wayne, but that works for Little Wayne. But if you're right. going to look like a certain way, be prepared for what's coming. And that's the international rule of life. If a girl's going to look like a whore, she's going to get treated like a whore. Right. And those are things that I think where the gaps in all this is, is in parents. And a lot of these people don't have parents. So we got to talk about stuff like this, that when you get stopped by the police, what should you do in 2021? Now, it doesn't mean that the cops are, out of, are not out of control. Of course, they're out of control. That is obvious. So I'm the guy of where do we find the common ground? Where can we start to build? And I've had on the show, uh, Quentin, my boy Quintus, who started the, the big cops, Miami Heat thing. He's an ex-CIA, Navy SEAL, uh, cop guy, and he agreed with me a little bit on this, you know? So my take on all this is as long as you don't, you can't mess around with the police, bro. No. It's the law. Whether they do good, bad, it's the law. And it's going right. to be wrong. That's, that's my belief. Here's my take on it. And it's very, very simple. I mean, and I'm not, it's not because I'm hiding from where I'm from or, or whatever it is, but, you know, I have, a, I have a lot of black friends and I have a lot of white friends and I have, I have a lot of Latin friends. And my sister's dating a Dominican who is tan, dark, black, white, however you want to name it. And there is no race issue in my family whatsoever. But I'm from, okay, I'm Cuban. And, I, and, to find a Cuban this white is rare, okay? In Cuba, there's black, white, it doesn't matter. But my point to it is we, we live in an island that we can't get out from. So we're all the same regardless of who you think you are. 
whether you're black or white. As a matter of fact, the two people that raised me and that took care of me a lot of the times when my mom and dad were trying to get food from our table were as dark as dark. And I call them to this day abuela and abuela. Abuela number one and abuela number two. In 2017, I went to Cuba. And the only two people that I care for during those four days I was there was abuela number one and abuela number two. We didn't grow up with the history that the black community have, has in this country, which was Martin Luther King and all the things that have happened during those times. I didn't grow up with that. And I definitely didn't grow up with that here in Miami because in Miami, I just, I just, I just didn't care. And maybe I was ignorant enough to not care because I didn't care what was going on outside of Miami. But maybe you can say it was a side of me was uneducated and a side of me was not wanting to know. So maybe for me, that was maybe my fault and not wanting to know these things. But I just didn't grow up with that. For me, I find all that, I just find an equal. And, and I find people, people and human race equal, whether you're black, white, Chinese, I could care less. I could care less. And, and that's why I think one of the biggest things, I, and, and there was a SEAL that I worked with, and I trained with a SEAL. And this SEAL, he said one thing that I, I'll, I'll never forget when he said this to me. He said, um, you know what I believe kids in high school should do for a whole summer as a freshman in, in high school? Is go to the Army for three months. Spend a whole summer in the Army. And I said, man, what, why, why do you think that? And I said, because they got to teach you that when you've been shot, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. They still got to save your ass. I don't care who you are because the brother next to me or the brother on the other side, I need to know they have my back because I have their back. See, if they get shot, I got to save their ass. Yonder, I agree with you so much. Those are my, I, brothers. Dude, Those are my brothers. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter who you are. I would start. And listen, sports, that's sports in a nutshell right there. I'm about to start. You are. Listen, I'm about to start. I've always said this. I would eliminate algebra. I would eliminate trigonometry. I would eliminate so many of the bullshit maths that we're not going to use. I would add life. I would add life, life lessons. I would add how to deal with failure, how to deal yeah. with vulnerability, how to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. How to say, you know what, Yonder? I fucked up, bro. I'm sorry, man. I, yeah, yeah. I did this. You know what? You got me. You caught me. I'm sorry. I, I, so, you know, we, let's talk about let's talk about what happened. Uh, we were supposed to meet last uh, Thursday. Yeah, motherfucker. No, I'm joking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Last Thursday. And 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 you know, and I I just forgot. And I and I forgot. And and I didn't hide from it. You know, I didn't say like, oh shit, what story can I make up? Yo, hey, I fucking forgot. Yeah. All right. And I think for me, like, there's no greater feeling. You know why? Because us as athletes and us as like or myself. We've been lied to a lot and we've been playing this fucked up game, which has a business side to it. And we can totally get on that, too. But the business side to it is such a business It's a business. And they lie to you and nobody's loyal to this game. Right. Like you're just you're just a number and it's totally OK with it. And I totally understand why I get it. I totally understand why. That is one thing about me. I understand why. And right. I respect it. And I respect it because a lot of things they do, I would be like, man, if I was an owner, would you do that too? Of and I would be like, yeah, I probably would do that too. But, but I will be as truthful as I can be. You know, and for me, like, there's no greater feeling than having a truthful man looking at you and being like, yo, 
this is what I think about you and this is what it is. And I forgot. Can we reschedule? Because I forgot. Don't give me a story. Because for me, you know, it's you, you can see a bullshitter from a bullshitter. Yeah. And the minute you recognize that, you're like, now nah, I'm going to play you. Dude, but that's what I told you today, man. As a guy that just people just, you know how many people tell me? And these are fucking famous people, bro. These are people that the world knows. Hey, buddy. Yeah, man, I'm going to call you. Let's chat tomorrow. Uh, call me at 12. Yeah. And I shoot you a text. My man, let me know. I'm ready when you are. Because, bro, I try to be in this world as official as possible, dude. Yeah, I'll check you real, before. Because yeah. I, I don't want to waste your time. And I want to be ready. And I want to be prepared. And, yeah. and yonder's like they get amnesia, bro. It's like nothing ever happened. And I'm Do like, you think that's a, that's a, that's a, let me ask you this. Because you've dealt with more people totally than I have. I, I tend to, like, care for myself, like, in a very small circle type of way. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's like a non-Miami thing? No, it's I don't matter to them. Okay, because I just feel like I tend that people from maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think people that I try to like put my myself around, like people in Miami, are are, are pretty real. Right. No, I don't like, matter to them. Man up a and they'll be like, "Hey, man, I fucked up." Yeah, no, no, but don't matter. You just don't matter. I don't matter to them that at the way. moment. I I no, I, I, yeah, they, 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 they get excited when they see me. They get all this stuff. But what happens is I get put in, in, a, in a special case because since I'm up and coming in what I'm doing, they love it. They get excited. But then when I hold you to what you're telling me, because I'm not bullshitting, you're like, okay, because they don't understand that. I slept in a car six months to, be, to do what I did in Los Angeles. They don't understand that. When I became Coach HP was three years ago that I had a wife, that I moved back here to Miami, that I gave lessons, baseball lessons in the middle of the sun, right. seven days a week while, while everybody my age was at the beach and hanging out. Right, right. I was doing that, that everybody promised me yonder that they would teach me to edit. Nobody did. So the coach had to take his happy positive himself to the Apple store. And I learned how to edit on iMovie two hours a day, twice a week for two months. And nobody gave me anything, nothing, zero. And I did it myself. And when my wife would sit there and watch me record all days of practices with kids, speak, and then edit till three, four in the morning every single night by myself over and over till I got it. I go, oh, baby, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then when I started doing trips and they weren't paying me and she's like, are you crazy? I go, but I got to do this. Because this is how I'm going to get it. This is how and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become somebody. I promise you. Give me time. That's what started all this. So now I'm so happy that where I'm at, but you grow. And when you grow, people start reaching out to you. Yeah. People are like, yo, Yonder, you got potential, man. Yonder, yeah, 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 yeah. So then you start to like, okay. And then when they fall through. So another thing that's big, Yonder, is how to deal with expectations, bro. That's big. Oh, man. I've been living with that all my life. What do you mean? That just sucks, bro. You know what? Expectations for me, I've learned how to like, it'd be, it's like my, you know those little movies that it's like the little devil and then like the nice guy over here? Yeah. yeah. That's fucking expectations every single day. In a baseball player's world, in a, you know, I had a kid. I, you know, I had a kid. And I had a kid who, who doesn't know. But, you know, I had a young kid who t- he's a rookie in the big leagues. And he said to me one day, you know, I have I have so much stress because I'm a rookie, you see. And, and you guys and he was he was saying like me and Manny Machado, we don't have that stress. 
And, and I had to stop him right there. And I was like, let me tell you something, bro. If you think you have stress being a rookie, you don't belong in this game. Yeah. Stress is making an X amount of dollars, an X amount of years, an X amount of, I would say, development statue in your game. When they're expecting, now they're expecting something out of you. You know, you're a prospect, you're a suspect. But when you're making $30 million and you got a 10-year deal and the name of your face and, and your face is all over San Diego, my man, the owner comes to see that guy. They don't come to see the prospect. Right. And they go and buy an ice cream and they go and buy a quesadilla because they want to see the man do the thing. That, myself, my man, is expectations. That's expectations. And if you can't live with that as a rookie, you're not made for this game. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, I put a stop like right there. Like expectations is all you live for. And like th this is what people want out of you. Expect they expect expectations, expectations. But you got to live with yourself. And that's why, like, you know, you talk about being a young kid, you know, and, and how you grew up and how tough it was, but it also teaches you so much positivity in it all. You know, because because look at you now, right? Like it should be your story should be put out every single day for for that kid that's going through kind of the same thing or or even a worser, you know, situation to 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 build. Hey, if, if he did it, if coach did it, okay, you know what? We can do it. Yeah, you know that's why that's why I do it. Out of out of Cuba, and he was cleaning offices when he was in college, and he became a first rounder. Shit, he can do it. You know what I'm saying? If Manny did it from Brito taking three school buses and, and taking the Metro to go to practice, shit, I can do it too. And like for me, like these are stories that we all had expectations, but it's how you like handled them. Like the way you handled them was look at you now, right? And the way I handled them and the way Manny handled them or, or people here in Miami that have done it, we should all learn from those things. And, 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 you know, people are so concerned about TikTok and like Instagram and the next scroll and like the next thing, but they don't, they don't become aware of reality. Right. Mm -hmm. All they talk about launch angle, but you know, how about hitting the high tee for, for a minute and like realize that you can hit a line drive up the middle. It's still part of this game. Brother. I have a post. Like I have a post that I'm going to tag you on that. I'd put the high tee and I would tell people, don't ever be scared of the high tee. Bro, I I mean I look at it like, why not ask the question? Hi, T. Hey, you tell me, bro. You talk Hi about that. Hi, T. Saves the day. <laughs> like you know, everybody's so concerned about this launch angle and shit, and I'm like, what? Hi, <laughs> T. Dude, I was gonna take videotape of it. I did it because I don't want to get kicked out of the place. You know, yo. What? Buddy, I was about to pull out cameras left and right. It just started. <laughs> when you saw that dude, he the motherfucker had a had a bucket on top of a tee. <laughs> Bro, you, right, all the way as it goes. and one hand drills, which I love. This is all we do. Bop, bop, bop. I mean, well, like, when was the last time you hit? Was it game and that's it, or have you hit now in the summer at all? Hell no. Hey, I'm retired as I'm retired. My only thing I do is <laughs> throw flips and you throw, throw flips, but, but you could still hit, obviously, if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I can hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can yeah, hit. Yeah. 
I can hit. I mean, look, the last time I hit was, I don't know, it was like August, August, sometime, sometime in September. Sometimes in September is when the last time I hit. I was like, all right, I'm done. I got to get you in the cage, bro. I got I to gotta do flips to you and so you can see lefty on lefty, a little softer. So, so. Uh, I, hit, I mean, my, my numbers don't say otherwise that I hit lefties well, but uh, that was the big leagues. I was facing fucking Chapman and the specials, specialists that are making eight million bucks a year to go get me out. Like they were thinking about me at two o'clock while I was thinking about 20 other pitchers. Bro, what was it like when you just got the vibe that you were going to get drafted in the first round, bro? Like what, what, the, what was that like? That was a vibe. <laughs> People don't know this shit about me, man, but, you know, I took out a loan out of college. And, and you know, I took out a $40,000 loan out of college no my way. junior year. Yeah. And, you know, I was living – my freshman and sophomore year, I was living with my parents, and I was sharing a room with my sister. You know, this is a college dude doing it, right? Freshman, sophomore year, like all-American, sophomore year. And I'm here, like, sharing a room with my sister, and I was like, this ain't it. You know, I couldn't have a girlfriend. I couldn't, like, really experience the college life. And I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm going to go take out money without my parents knowing. And I'm going to take out enough money for me to live a whole year outside of, of you know, my house. And that Why was 40 G's. Is that the, the, the approval level? Is that the highest you got approved? Or you just said 40 was the number? If I would have taken, I would if that's all they could let me give. Like that's all I. Yeah. Like, I said, What's the most you can give me? And they said forty thousand. And I said, oh, <laughs> Yo, if they would have said a hundred thousand, I'll take it. Yes, come on, let's go. Yeah. All and right, so let's talk about that. You get the forty G's. I'm not with drugs. Where Where do you move to? What do you buy with that? Come on, let's go. Doing drugs for sure. <laughs> I showed up to my mom's house with a forty-inch TV in my eyes. I was what? <laughs> Excuse me? Really? We had a 20-inch TV with a VCR on it. I showed up with a new flash screen, and my mom looked at me like, Excuse me? I'm going to slap you. <laughs> so my mom thought I was like, What are you doing on the side? Where did you move to? <laughs> I moved to, uh, first of all, leaving my house was an issue. Right. I didn't talk to my mother for like two months. Really? That was a problem. That was a situation. Damn. And I was like trying to express myself like I need to move out because what's about to happen to me after this year is 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 life lessons. And I need to be able to understand like I can take care of myself, whether that's cooking some eggs or washing my laundry and having my own schedule and not having somebody like, you know, my parents were so good to me, man. And like my parents worked so hard that it was hard, man. Like they did everything for me. And whether that's like doing my laundry or like, and I knew like that wasn't it. Like I knew that wasn't real. And I didn't want to like, where most kids are like, shit, I'm going to milk this till I can. I'm like, I ain't doing this. Like, no, I need to find my own self. You know, I got to do right. me. Right, right. You hear me, right? Yeah. And for me, for, for me, like that was the thing. Like that was like the situation. I, I needed to like, find myself so anyway so i ended up getting an apartment with my buddy um eric erickson and we ended up getting an apartment at, at gables gables point which is where most of like the kids would live at and we rented a place and you know i found like scraps here and there and the little money i had you know to find like my bed and and he helped me out with the couch and the tv and you know all that and i went to the bank and i was like 
I'm taking it on a loan. At this point, like I was an All-American, so I knew like I was heading into that direction where if I was like a first or second rounder, you, I you think you were be good. You were gonna be good. Get that loan back, you know. Right. I knew right. like I was I was good for forty thousand. Right. And I was living, man. I was doing it. I mean, I I had I had a budget, you know. So I knew like I had. It was like I think I had like twenty eight hundred bucks or something like that for the month. So I knew like, you know, I would take my parents. Like our our favorite restaurant was Outback. So for me, Outback was like going to Prime on Twelve. Prime on Twelve, huh? Yeah, yeah, Oye, yeah. Wait a minute. Let's do this. Let's do this. My daughter is uh waking up, so I gotta help out there. Okay. Go, go, go. Boom! There it is. Ended abruptly. I couldn't even cut it to to end it. But wow, W O W. That's how you spell wow. W O W. Wow. W O W. Greatest interview in baseball history. There hasn't been. This is a masterpiece. There hasn't been anything done like this. I'm telling you, hasn't been anything done like this love talking about the high tea drill high tea bro high tea bro if you do a t-shirt i would do it to say high tea bro it's your coach if you're not a part of this podcast you're cheating on yourself let's go remember at the end of the day to go hard to do your thing and let's keep Slanging positivity all over the place. It's your coach. Okay, see that's player. We don't dress alike, we don't rap alike. I shine different, I rhyme different. Only thing you got is some years on me, man. You and your time different. I'm young, poppy. Champagne ain't no face, and ain't no the name. Got one watch, I could probably pay for like all your chains. You don't change that. Great stone, 20 bottles, that's all me. On the couch, wildin' out. Get a free money today, I'll free. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.